0: Before we begin today's show, have you listened to First Take, Her Take yet? It's a new ESPN podcast that's generating a lot of buzz around these parts. So if you're interested, you can check it out along with Stephen A. Smith's new podcast, which features the best interviews from his ESPN Plus show, Stephen A.'s World. This week on the podcast, Stephen A. talks to Snoop Dogg. Exciting stuff. Check out Stephen A.'s World wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing at lunchtime on Wednesday, a little earlier than normal. Um, The second half NBA schedule is supposed to come out in a few hours, and there's a whole bunch of NBA games tonight. So we won't know what happened there. So tough. Uh, Joining me from Boston, Massachusetts, is Tim Bontemps. What'd you have for lunch, Tim?
1: I haven't had lunch yet.
0: Uh, joining us from Dallas, Texas is Ben McMahon. Man, I know McMahon had lunch,
2: just wolfed down a delicious salad. My lady made for me and like little strawberry slices in there and nuts and all kinds of fancy stuff. Goat cheese, greatest cheese of all time. Phenomenal.
0: <laughs> all right. Um, so the all-stars came out, uh, last night, there was a bunch of all stars this year. Um, there was only so many spots. I'm not really super duper moved uh, either way. Some guys got snubbed. Um, if there's a year to be snubbed, it's this year. It's not going to be a great All Star weekend. Um, so, you guys, I mean, you guys have any strong feelings about that? I don't. I, I'm prepared to move on. Sorry, Devin Booker. Sorry, Mike Conley. You know, it'll 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 get better. No well, commentary.
2: and and one of those two guys will get in because obviously Anthony Davis will will be replaced. Um, I would say (laughs) the one thing I would disagree with you on is, uh, if there's a year to be snubbed, it ain't this year for Mike Conley, because this might be his last best chance. Um, Devin Booker is going to be an all-star several times in his career. I think that, uh, this is, this is maybe Conley's last chance.
0: You're an all-star in our book, Mike Conley. Um, there was a great NBA game that you guys both covered last night, um, Celtics versus Mavericks. Luca hit a couple of insane shots down the stretch of that game, including a game winner right. Was it at the buzzer or was there time left?
2: There was a, a tick left, a, a tenth of a second left okay. once uh once it went through.
0: It was a both both the big threes he hit were disastrous plays. Um he was completely double-teamed on the on the last play, and he just stepped back and hoisted way up over from the left wing, um, similar mm-hmm. to, the, to the move that he made in the bubble last year where he had the big shot against the Clippers. Um, what was that, a game five, maybe? Game four. Yeah, game when four. he had
2: the, when he had the 43-point triple-double. <laughs> on a sprained I anchor, mean, right? Didn't yeah, ankle. I yeah, was, yeah, hurt his ankle 36 hours earlier. It was questionable, a game-time decision. Porzingis is out. The kid went for a 43-point triple-double. Um, and I mean, listen, what he's done this month, it's insane. You know, he, he's shooting 48% from three during this six and one run the Mavericks are on to get back to 500. And when Luka's hitting threes, I don't like, I don't know what you do with him. There, he's absolutely unstoppable, but, you know, it's interesting. Last night, um, after he hits these two crazy threes, um, I mean, I was Cojones factor just. You know all time performance. Uh, you know he brings up when he missed a wide open three against the Blazers in the one game that the Mavericks have lost during this stretch. Wide open three, last possession of the of the game. Uh, I think he had forty four that night. Uh, just you know ridiculous performance. But he was like, you know, sometimes you're going to miss them, like I did in that last Portland game. Sometimes you're going to make them. <laughs> but my God, just the the combination of cojones and and skill and the skill it took for him to get off like the the last one is one thing you know that's a you, it's a tie game you know you've got to get a shot up uh no timeout so you're just going to bring the ball up you know f- find some kind of space and launch it the other one though Dude, they hadn't scored in damn near three minutes. It was like last year's Mavs clutch offense. They'd lost an 11-point lead. Obviously, all the momentum is gone. Boston had just taken the lead for the first time in forever. It was a, another yucky possession. And he gets it, and this, you know, the shot clock's running down. He ends up isoed on Tyson. It's, I mean, just the way he created it, got in a rhythm, stepped back, and knocked it down. I was just like, jeesh.
0: So, <clears throat> They've won 7 of 10 to get to 500. The Celtic the Celtics, Bontemps have lost 7 of 10, and they are now below 500. And, you know, this is a, a game with two teams that, you know, at the start of the season could see themselves in the conference finals. There were three All Stars on the floor last night because uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were named All Stars uh, before the game. Um, but two teams that are kind of. While trending in different directions at the exact moment, sort of stuck in the middle. And neither, I don't think either one of them, despite the greatness of Luka recently, I don't think either one of them got to feel great about where they are. And especially the Celtics, Um, you know, another loss where um, their depth, I felt their depth, their lack of depth showed up. Um, Where are the Celtics right now, Pontemps?
1: Well, I think the the Mavs, to your point, have a much better excuse to be where they're at today. I mean, this is a team that is dealing with Chris Tass Porzingis coming back from offseason knee surgery, getting, you know, started after the year began. This is a team that was devastated by COVID, you know, had Josh Richardson out for weeks had Dorian Finney-Smith out for weeks had Maxi Kleba out for weeks. That's three starter level players. Uh, and then Kristaps is their fourth starter in theory, right? So four of their five starters have had large chunks of their season messed up by injury or COVID. So you look at that and you go, hey, that would make sense that that team would be struggling a bit, and now that they're healthy, even if they're not perfect, like I think we'll get to later, they're still playing much better, and Luke is playing great, and they're back to 500 and looking better. Um, Boston's a mess, and they're a mess in large part, to your point, because they don't have very many good players. We've talked about this on the pod a couple of times already this year. Um, but Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have both been awesome. They're both deserving all stars. And after that, there's just a lot of question marks with this team.
2: Well, and and one of their other really good proven players has been hurt for a while. I mean, they miss well, Marcus Smart too. They've had
1: one, they've had one player out, but Kemba Walker's played for five or six weeks now and has generally been bad. Uh, although he had one of his best stretches of the season uh late in that game yesterday to um to get Boston ahead. Uh, mm-hmm. hit a four had a four point play, hit another three, made another play, but he he was on his he was on pace until that late burst to have another game where he hit a few shots in the first quarter and then couldn't make a shot the rest of the game, which has tended to be his pattern in virtually every game. He's shooting like forty eight percent in first quarters. I think he's shooting thirty two percent the rest of the game and he's shooting thirty seven percent on the season. Um, and that's just kind of the way things have been with him. But he also isn't playing tonight uh, in Atlanta. We'll see what happens in that game. But, but look, even if Marcus, even with Marcus Smart aside, they've had one injury, and even the one week where they had a bunch of guys out with COVID, they had all their games canceled. Unlike a lot of these other teams, like the Mavs and the Sixers right. and the Heat, who had to play with half a team. Right. Um, the the bottom line is they're just not very deep. And if you have one starter out, you ought to be able to make up for that. And the Celtics are so thin particularly in wing players where they basically only have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on their team that are ambulatory playable wing players that they're just not very good. You know, they, they, they're they playing three centers, Daniel Price, Tristan Thompson, and Robert Williams. They have to play two of them together a lot because they don't have enough guys on the wing. They can play. Jeff Teague has been an abject failure as a backup point guard He's shooting 28% on twos uh, and BNPC. has been benched. He, he should be caught, frankly, like he, I don't think he can play and, but the other problem they have is they have five or six just absolutely dead roster spots. So between Carson <laughs> Edwards and Tremont Waters and Taco Fall and Jeff Teague, these are guys that are not NBA players. And they they have roster spots full of guys that can't help them. And that's why they have Aaron Neesmith and, and, and playing 30 minutes a game.
2: Yeah, and then and then old uh old Peyton Pritchard was was playing pretty well until Perk declared that he was first team all rookie. And he's, <laughs> I mean, the, the curse of Perk the is just for the beautiful.
0: content put a beautiful he, piece on him too.
2: He he's oh, well. he has
0: played he has played well. Obviously,
1: he's not making shots. He past stunk. He weeks. stunk last night. He was terrible. He he was terrible last night. He finally hit a three, and then instantly bricked another one and threw a pass seventeen feet away from. A guy on the other side of the court out of bounds. But he he has been fine and he's gonna be fine. He he's a rotation guard and he's been a, a pleasant he's been one of the few pleasant surprises they've had this year. Um
2: you but know, overall Kim, uh, they just I don't look, have enough it, talent. Here, here's the thing. And it, it kind of is very similar with When you have a max player, that guy's gotta play at a max level. Kimball Walker obviously has not coming off of a, off of a knee injury. You can say the same thing for Chris Tabs Porzingis with the Mavericks. Um, you know, like if you're going to be a contender, you can't have max guys who are just okay or available some of the time or, well, they're still coming back. You know, maybe they'll get in a groove or boy, he's he's the worst defensive rotation player in the NBA statistically, if we're talking about Porzingis. Um Kimber Kimball Walker has to be an all-star caliber player for the Celtics to have any hope of contending, and Kristaps Porzingis has to be a legit co-star for for Luca for the Mavericks to have any any hope of contending now or anytime in the you know near future, unless somehow they're able to flip him for something else. Which you know, who the hell's giving up major value for Kristaps Porzingis in year right, two well, of the max well,
1: And just and just one thing to follow up on that to transition to what I think we're going to talk about over the past three years, the Celtics lost. Al Horford for nothing, they lost Kyrie Irving for nothing, and as of now, they've lost Gordon Hayward for nothing. Yeah, and that's a lot of talent to walk out. Not even counting guys like Marcus Morris who they left also, for nothing, Jerry who left basically right, for nothing.
0: They traded Rozier for Kemba, but they sort could of. have they could have done something with that.
2: And man, Rozier is playing well too.
1: Well, and, and, and this comes back to, you know, like I said, what I think the lead and what we're going to talk about, you know, the Celtics at least have this trade exception and their picks as a result yeah. of the Gordon Hayward trade. And we'll see between now and the deadline if they do something to upgrade this roster when okay. they haven't made an in-season trade in six years and they clearly need help.
0: Okay, so as we sit here on the afternoon of February, whatever, Wednesday, um, there are <laughs> 11 NBA teams right now who are within three games either way of 500, either 500 or either. And if you, if you spread it out to five, it, like, the number jumps to like 13, 14. A year ago, uh, and it's not really apples to apples because the schedule is a little bit off, but a year ago, there were three teams within three games of 500. So what you have here is this conglomeration coagulation of blob at average basketball. And then you bring in the fact that there are 20 teams that will, quote, unquote, make the postseason this year, mm-hmm. um, you know, at least into the playoffs or into the play in tournament. Um, and then you add to the fact that there's a whole bunch of teams that are in that blob that have expectations one way or another. Um, you know, Washington, as an example, you know, they've um, they've you know been on a win streak. By the way, they are not in that blob, but they are. Um, a team that you don't see waving the white flag, uh, Atlanta, they're five games under 500. They just signed a whole bunch of guys. They're not waving the white flag. By the way, um, did you see
2: Trey Young's all-star second quarter, all-star caliber defense with the game on the line
0: last night? My God. Uh, it was tell, tell the me, last- tell me how much you care about winning again, please. The last possession where, um, the Cavs won the game basically in the last second. Um, what happened with Trey Young there was an abomination. Uh, they were in a scramble, but it was an abomination. Well, and um, it's also
1: one of the limitations of Trey Young, right? And that if you have a guy who's six foot nothing, who's your main scorer, and he's got guys around him, he can't get a shot off.
0: Guys, right? there's nobody playing defense in the entire league right now, almost at all. But that uh, stood out. Uh, you're right. Oh, it's uh, terrible. Right now, and I mean, this will moderate a little bit, and I don't know what will happen in the playoffs. But right now, according to my man Hembo um, in the stats and information, eight of the top 12 offensive seasons in the history of the game, <laughs> okay, are taking place right now. Okay, uh. Brooklyn, the Clippers, the Bucks, the Jazz, the Nuggets, the Trailblazers, the Pelicans, and the Suns. Uh, all are having seasons that are historically in the top 12 of all time. Yeah. Okay? Uh, by the way, the only team that from that's not from the last five years that's in the top 12 of all time in terms of offensive efficiency, you guys want to take a guess?
2: <sighs> from the last five, 14, 15 Warriors? That's not last five years. Are they up there?
0: Mm, no. The 16, 17 Warriors and the 18, 19 Warriors the 1920 Mavericks, mm-hmm. which set the record last year. That's now fifth. I was going to say that, yeah,
2: the record is 116.1, correct?
0: Uh, I don't have a
2: I, don't I have, think it uh, is. 116.7. Yeah. Oh, well, 116.7. Okay, that'd be ranked fourth Most this sure. year. Just to tick, yeah. a, a tenth of a point ahead of the Jazz. Nets, mm-hmm. Bucks, and Clippers are all better than that this year.
0: So, um, yeah, so the, there's only one other one from the – from the last five years it's outside the top that's inside the top 12. Ah. and this team has a nickname Showtime Lakers you got it 1960 1986 87 Lakers uh they, they rank uh, uh anyway my point is nobody's playing defense and everybody's bunched in the middle and anything could happen and so to bring this back where I started this guys I have no idea what any of these teams are going to do at the trade deadline and guess who else doesn't The teams. teams. When I talk to people during the day, the answers that I, the questions that I get are who's buying and who's selling. Uh, And two teams that come up right quite frequently right now are, are the Celtics buyers or sellers or are the Mavericks buyers or sellers? And uh, that's going to be very interesting. Um, First off, I think there's only a couple of teams that we can say for sure are selling. Um, the Cleveland Cavaliers are selling. Andre Drummond is widely available. There might be another player or two that could be available there. Um, The uh, Orlando Magic um, possibly could be willing to part with a guy like Evan Fournier, maybe a guy like Aaron Gordon that is being, Ch- Chattered around about uh executives um the houston rockets who have lost eight in a row um there's chatter starting to go around about whether victor oladipo will be back on the market um they're yeah. sort of sinking an interesting thing about oh, the look, rockets, that chatter has been going around since they got him right <laughs> but know? he played okay you know they had a little bit of a, a lift when he first got there um you know the other thing about the rockets is uh so the, the, the Thunder can swap their pick with the Rockets this year, but they don't just swap their pick. They can right. also swap Miami's pick. So basically the um, Rockets
2: probably end up with Miami's pick is the way to put that.
0: Except there's a protection on that swap. Top four. Top four. Um, so there's two protections really out there right now you really keep an eye on. One is a Minnesota Timberwolves protected pick owed to the Warriors. If it gets in the top four, top four, top three, temps, I always forget. Top three, top three, and then the Rockets, which I wouldn't have thought about a couple of weeks ago, but now they've lost eight in a row, and there's some talk about them possibly selling. Oh, they're um, selling.
2: They're, they're definitely okay. Going to be
0: selling. Okay. Uh, you know, and you know, we don't know where John Wall's health is going to be. The only
1: teams that are truly selling are Houston, Cleveland, and Oklahoma City. Everybody else, everybody else is either not is either not going either way, like probably a team like Detroit, or are or are trying to make the playoffs.
0: Right. So I mean, let's just uh, simple economics, uh, microeconomics, right? Uh, let's go back to our college sophomore year. If you're, if there's a dearth of sellers and potentially a lot of buyers, the sellers have the advantage. So if you're on the fence about buying or selling, you may want to think about selling because you might be able to do much better. So I'll ask you, I'll start with you Bontemps. Let's talk about the Celtics. Are the Celtics buyers? Or are they sellers? And they have not made a midseason trade in six years, which was Isaiah Thomas at 257. It's a famous story. At 257 or something uh, on that trade deadline day, they picked up Isaiah Thomas. Uh, terrific tr- uh, uh, trade. Um, maybe they're going to do nothing. But are they buyers or sellers, do you think?
1: I don't think they're sellers because the only stuff they have that they're going to sell, nobody's going to. They're not going to sell, and nobody wants the rest of it. So I think it's just a question whether they stand pat or they buy, and I'm not sure what the answer is. I mean, I think a lot of people here. What about Kemba? I mean, this is sort of going to come back to the Chris Das Porzingis conversation we're probably going to have later, which is that both of those guys fall into the same camp, as McMahon kind of laid out earlier, of. Uh, they're not really anywhere near where their value is, and or where their value was, you know, say six months or a year ago. And so, if you're going to trade them, you're essentially trading them to bet on the fact that they're just not going to be that good again.
2: Well, um, and and, and sh- are you are you trading them with positive value or because of their contracts? Like, are, is that a salary dump at that point? Like, right? You can't so, you so can't that- trade these guys as a salary dump. Like, no, you can't do that.
1: Yeah, so I well, you can. You can do it. I just don't think that the Celtics will do it. Okay. Um
2: you, I would you, say you can't do that and and convince your young stars that you are really trying to compete. That's a tough sell.
0: Okay. Well, as Bontemps as you said, they have the $28 million trade exception that they got in the Gordon Hayward trade and they have all of their first round picks going forward. We know for the last 7-8 years Boston's Always had extra picks, extra picks, extra extra picks. Well, now they have all of they have these picks that they could trade, um, and the ability to, to make basically trade for almost every player in the league with that with that uh, trade exception, uh, with the with the picks. I mean, that puts them in the game for a whole bunch of people if they want to go.
1: Yeah, that's true, and you know, I mean, it also should be said the Celtics, you know, have been rumored to be involved in everything under the sun over the past several years and have done nothing basically, right? right. They. They sat on the Sacramento Kings pick thinking that would be a great pick. It was the 14th pick in the draft. They sat on the Memphis pick thinking it'd be a great pick. It was the 14th pick in the draft. Uh, They've had a lot of misses in the draft. Um, You know, they drafted Romeo Langford last year. He's showed a couple flashes of playing some defense. He's also been hurt basically the entire time he's been in the league. Um, He's allegedly coming back after the all-star break. They certainly could use him. Aaron Neesmith has not done much in the minutes he's gotten to play lately. He's been okay, but that's not looking like a banner pick at the 14th pick.
0: We're um, not going to evaluate that, rookies just yet, but you, no, your, but your, your just, point is well it, taken. He just, is well
1: I mean, the, the Celtics, Sadiq Bey had 7 billion points and won Easter Conference Player of the, or Easter Conference Player of the Week after beating the Celtics, uh, and he was picked five picks later. So I, I would say that at minimum, it's not looking as good as it could have been.
0: Well, um, and they had and look, the, they had the Thibble move that they they last year they could have had Thibble. Right, they
1: they had Thibble and said that they got Grant Williams or Brandon Clark, either him or Thibble and they got Grant Williams who's been okay. Certainly I, I yeah. mean he he played big. He
0: played, yeah. he
1: played big minutes and Carson Edwards has been an abject failure. And look, they had the 30th pick in the draft this year, which normally you would say isn't much of a pick. They essentially traded that to get off of Evan Scanners money when they didn't have to because Gordon Hayward was leaving and uh or wound up leaving i should say and that pick desmond bain is shooting 45 percent from three and is a he's, a he's
0: a he's a good player i mean he's, he's a, a three and d good he's three. a three and
1: d wing player which you know look at the celtics they have no wing players who can play so yeah memphis, can draft, that him.
0: memphis can draft yeah
1: got him and xavier tillman at 30 and 35 two rotation players at 30 and brandon 35 the celtics would die to have a couple and brandon clark at 21 celtics look a lot different if they have Two or three of those guys on the team at this point, right? Celtics could really so,
0: use could really use Bane. So Bane would be really, by the way, right Bane and Brandon Clark they
1: would be yeah, their sixth yeah. and seventh guys right now.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, hey, the Mavericks could use Bane too. Uh, Josh Green, yeah, we'll see. No question. You know, no one of them guys in the G League now, but yeah.
1: So look, there's to to make a long story short, there's a lot of there's been a lot of chatter here. People are obviously upset with the way this is going. This team is not very good. And there's, it's especially Fred hard to Stevens, be not very Fred good.
0: Stevens uh, getting a eye on his back for the first time, really. Yeah.
1: Well, he is, and and I think the again, I think the fault of this is on the front office because you know coming into the season, you could look at this team and they had five or six players who you thought were good, and after that, it was all question marks. And if you let one really good player after another walk out the door without getting anything for them. And you have all these picks, and you sort of just let them all go by and draft players that are mediocre or Well, worse. they drafted
0: Jason Taylor and Jalen Brown, so, too.
1: Yes, they did. But they they had all they, after they had those guys, they had all this other ammo, and they just kind of waited it out. And they kept thinking they were going to get a top three pick out of it. And they didn't. They got the 14th pick. It was like, look, they could have just as easily had the Kings be terrible like always and had a top right. five pick in that draft. They could have just as easily had Memphis be bad last year and then have an unprotected pick in this year's draft. But they didn't. They got the 14th pick twice, right? So, like, if that's the game you play, you have to be judged on the results. And the results are the Celtics have sat around and let a lot of pitches go by and, as a result, now have two all-NBA-level players and not much else. And, again, that's why they have a big decision to make over the next When I
0: When we talked about this, just – it wasn't directly in this vein a few months ago, and I – said that the Celtics didn't make offers for guys. I was dressed down. So let me just say the Celtics did make offers for guys like Paul George. They just didn't make the offers that that well, they, they made, made offers
1: or not, which they did, you know, they made offers. They didn't get any of these guys. So, right. you know, again, it's just didn't you're make judged deals. on the results. That's right. They didn't make deals. And that and it's not to say that they they absolutely should have made deals either, right? Like I'm not saying they should have gone and traded seven thousand picks or somebody. Like it's hard to know how that stuff works out. But Again, we can just look at what they have. And what they have are two awesome, elite young wing players, the exact kind of guys you want to build a team around. And then they have a team built around them that isn't ready to win. And that's why they're a 500 team. And yes, if Marcus Smart was healthy, to Tim's point, they'd have a few more wins and they'd look better. But you still wouldn't look at them and think that they're going to go into the playoffs with this group and be able to compete with Brooklyn and Milwaukee and Philly. But they're just not. So are they going to go out and get, you know, Aaron Gordon, or you know, some other good to very good level wing player who could play the four and can beef up this roster and give them a yeah, shot. They, they, they like, kind of need see. a.
0: They need like a combo forward, right? That's that's what they need. <laughs> yes, they need
1: a guy who can play the four, and who more than anything, they need another guy who can create their own shot. Because in today's NBA, as you pointed out, with nobody playing defense, if you have only two or maybe even just three guys on the whole team who could dribble and make a play defenses that are even bad defenses can load up on you. Like on Sunday when the Celtics played the Pelicans in the second half, Stan Van Gundy said, Hey, you know what? The Celtics only have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, who I'm worried about. I'm going to throw every guy on my team at them. And I'm going to let Kemba shoot a bunch of jumpers. He clanged every shot and all these other guys can't dribble. So I don't care what they do.
0: (laughs) I have to say, I have to say, um, so this has been a rough road trip for the Celtics. You know, they lost in overtime over the weekend to, uh, the Pelicans, um Zion had a basket at the end of the game. Uh, Tatum ends up forcing overtime with a tremendously, with a tremendous display of talent uh, to get that shot off and to get that ball in the basket. But they were down because Zion got the ball and um Tristan Thompson, who is not a slight man, Zion just, bulldozed him.
1: Yeah, I went through him like tissue paper
0: and I don't think that was a flop. I know some people thought it was an offensive foul. Tristan was not flopping and JJ Reddick said something earlier this year. It was a simple quote, but my God, was it profound? He said, and I don't, I may not have it exactly correct, but he said basically like all of us in the league would love to take 15 layups a game with our dominant hand. We just aren't good enough to do it. <laughs> right. It's but, hard to get there, but he says, this, this is a last, you know, last 10 second play. Tristan Thompson is in good guarding position and guarding him well. And Zion was like, get away. Yeah. He, he knew like, yeah. exactly
1: what Zion was going to do, which is drive left. And he was there out. and he went right through him. And yeah, and, went, and by the right
2: way, away, who's, who's the other guy in the league who's able to take, you know, 10, 12, 15 layups per game with his dominant hand or dunks? Giannis. And yeah. you can talk, you know, that's why when people say, Giannis, he's skilled enough to get the hell to the hoop.
0: Yeah, as a as a primary right.
2: ball handler, I'm pretty impressed.
0: Zion, right. Zion is probably the greatest interior scorer I've seen since Shaq.
2: Yeah, it's
1: hard to argue that. I mean, uh, he's, he's basically a six foot five Shaq, which uh, has its own limitations. I mean, I mean, I mean, Zion,
0: Zion's got his downsides, and I've we've talked and written about it. But yeah. my God, the man's ability to create angles in the paint is no, in legendary. that moment.
1: And that moment summed it up, right? Tristan was guarding him hard and, and knew exactly what he was going to do and was ready for it. And it didn't matter anyway. Um <laughs> and that and and that and like it like you said, like they need they need a combo forward who can play and who can create offense because they don't have enough guys who can do that. But that is the thing about this team. It's not that they're a million miles away, but what they're missing is Gordon Hayward, right? That that's exactly what they're missing. And they're missing that's a
0: guy a, uh, they're missing a multi-talented wing player who can you know, and, who can and, dribble, dribble, pass, and shoot? Which Hayward and they did.
1: and they let him walk out the door. And like last year, even they were a thing. Well, he team, didn't want to resign with
0: them. I mean, it, it wasn't like they kicked him out the well, door, but they could have you know. chose to. They could have chose to pay him, and they
1: didn't choose to pay him, which is fine. I'm not. I'm not even saying that decision itself is wrong. All these decisions in a vacuum are not necessarily wrong, right? Decisions not to trade for these other guys, to not sign Al Horford, to not sign Gordon Hayward, all all those things are defensible, right? Like paying out Horford that contract wouldn't look great right now. All all those things are defensible. But when you put them all in a row, that's how you build up to a situation where this team is short on players now. And it it, and it like I I said that because like if they can get another good to very good player on this roster, they do have the supporting pieces in place. Like all these guys that we're talking about, whether it's Grant Williams or Peyton Pritchard or the centers they have, they're all good supporting cast guys.
0: They they kind of have the hard part done, which is they have the all stars. Right. Yes. That's that's the hard part. What they yes. need is the is the is the part where you put them or put the guys around. Them. There's a whole bunch of teams out there that are dying to get Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum. Yes. They have um, the
1: they have the super high level guys, and they have like the five to nine guys that you need. Right. They need one more guy in between.
0: Which they, if they,
2: they can get they that guy, Walker, it might all come into the place. A, they need Kimball Walker to be a max player. Well, they need Kemba
1: Walker to be a max player, but they also do still need another guy Yeah. because they, even with Kemba, they still don't have enough. Like they just don't, and particularly on the wing, you can't, in my opinion, in today's NBA where teams are trying to play small, you can't be having to play two bigs to get basically two centers together a decent chunk of the time just to have your most effective players on the court.
0: They have to do that because they have no wing players. That's right.
1: That's right. They they just have to add wing players to have any real shot of being a championship okay. level.
0: Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't.
2: One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket paid for by NHTSA.
0: You can now stream the most MLB games on DIRECTV without a satellite dish. Yes. Catch the clutch, hitch strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. The Mavericks are also a team that when I talk to executives out there, they wonder whether they're buying or selling. Um, There was a report in the Bleacher Report over the weekend, uh, McMahon, that said uh, Chris Haps Porzingis was being floated on the trade market. I have to say, I've heard the same. Yeah, and look,
2: Cuban shot it down strongly on the record. Carlisle shot it down strongly on the record, and... If it's true or not, they're gonna say the same damn thing. So whatever. Right.
0: Well, let me just say that the reason I didn't bring it up is because I could, you know, there's all these shades of gray when guys yes. get floated around. Um I don't think they're actively like we are gonna trade Chris Depps Porzingis. Well,
2: because here's the thing is look, is Chris Depps Porzingis untouchable? Hell no. Is he an attractive trade chip right now? Also, hell no. And right. the right. Mavericks Look, the Mavericks' chances to contend are tied to Kristaps Porzingis. I'm talking about now, and you know, over the course of his contract, and perhaps even beyond. Either he needs to be that legit number two guy, or he needs to be their ticket to that guy. In other words, a KP plus package for you know whichever is the next or, or another disgruntled star who who's looking for a chance to contend, which, you know what? If you're a legit star and you team up with Luka Doncic, you'll have a chance to contend. Luka's that good. Um, But Porzingis is A, he's, he's ridiculous. And he's 21. He's I think he turns 22 next week. He's unbelievable. A, Porzingis has had glimpses where you think, well, maybe he is that good. But he's not had any kind of consistency playing at that sort of level. And then obviously B, and perhaps I should have put this one first, He's hurt a lot. He's never finished a season healthy. He's going to miss several games throughout the course of the season. You don't know if he's going to be healthy. He's you know hadn't been healthy yet at the end of a season. Um, and then you know, like his, he is actually now he's missed the last two games with his lower back tightness. He's he's started to play well again offensively this month. He's averaging like twenty three on 50, 40, 90, Wah wah wah. He is so bad defensively right now, and he. He can't be a one-way guy. He has to be a two-way force. He—I'm I'm not exaggerating. You look at defensive rating for guys who play twenty-plus minutes. He is dead last in the NBA, right behind Marvin Bagley III. That's how mm-hmm. freaking bad he is. I mean, he can't get in a stance. He can't move. And I'm—you know—Carlos as well. You know, he didn't have a training camp. He's playing his way in his shape. And I hear all that, but you've got the physical issues. I wonder how much you have effort issues and it's, you know, if, if he's not right, this team's just a, a when he's you know,
0: having a good night though, it's a sight to see. Yeah. And, 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 and you can talk yourself in, you know, you shoot, you
2: can go back and, and watch, uh, you know, him in the, in the three playoff games, he did play in against the Clippers and you can talk yourself into still saying, Hey, he's got potential to be that dude next Luca. And, you know, I think sometimes ego still plays a part, but, their games do complement each other. You know, Porzingis as a as a guy who can both roll and pop, uh, you know that that certainly complements Luca's game. Um, you know they've got some other decent players. Obviously, they they were hoping they'd be in the market for another bona fide star this summer, and, and I, you know I think th- I would be surprised if the Mavericks are sellers in terms of willing to take a step back. Um, simply because when you got a guy like Luca you don't want to waste any, any time. And you don't want,
0: I I agree. You don't want to plant
2: seeds in a superstar's mind that this franchise isn't always going to be all in on winning.
0: I agree with that, but you know, they have some guys on expiring contracts who are very good rental options. You know, you know, Jason Richard, Jason Richardson, yeah, Jason Richardson, <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: former dunk champ. Yeah.
0: Josh, is Josh, Dun- is Josh Richardson
1: actually a good rental option?
2: He's playing better lately. Um, notably, he's not always in their closing lineup. Part of that's because Jalen Brunson is is become one of the best backup point guards in the league and also plays well off of Luca. Um, but you, you're talking about Josh Richardson, Tim Hardaway Jr., who's yeah. been really, really good since going to that six man role. Um, and then you know, if you're talking about just not necessarily a rental to make your team better, but a uh, a sizable expiring contract, then uh, then Johnson's in that mix.
0: James Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what. Knicks fans have been watching the Mavericks like a hawk.
2: Oh yeah, they they want that lottery pick, and they it's, they they uh, don't like they don't like the six and one run that the Mavericks are. That's on. right.
0: Well, I mean, look, right now they they continue to play this way. I think they're. Um, you as know, long as Luke getting... is
1: healthy, they're they're not giving up that bad of a pick. But it's ah, but it's it's still that's still that trade is still not looking as bad as a lot of people thought it was the day that the Knicks made it, given the way that Porzingis
2: has played, because it's True. just
1: not it's just not lived up to the to the expectation that um, that you would have hoped for. And look, it's not that it's certainly no certainly possible that changes, but you know, to Tim's point, he has not played that well. He's been hurt a bunch and. You know, if the Knicks end up with, uh, even if the Knicks end up with, I don't know, the 18th pick in the draft, that's probably a lot better than a lot of people would have guessed when they made that trade.
0: So you're talking about Luka Doncic and the All-Star, What, what you guys don't know. is that I just had a trivia question that was a total disaster. I had to change the trivia question, and Bon Temps and McMahon were all over me, and they are correct. Mm. I deserve it. Uh, this trivia question, as the entire Hoop Collective, is brought to you by CarMax. Don't just buy a car. Love your car with the new CarMax. Love your car. Guarantee.
1: Chris Go Paul, to CarMax so you don't have some used car salesman sell you a bad car like Brian tried to sell us as <laughs> bad trivia <tribute>
0: question. <laughs> bad question. As I kept reading it, I was like, "This, I have this wrong. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just going to say it was bad. It was a bad wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, Chris Paul is the third player to be named an all-star with four different franchises. So he was a Hornet, a Clipper, a Thunder, and a Sun. Who Jack. are the other... There's one.
2: Okay, how many was Moses Malone.
0: You got it. Wow, we've got some geniuses that's here. That's it? That's it. That's you well, I, I knew, it? You guys really had it in didn't
2: seconds. I mean,
1: that was an easy one.
2: That's like that's like Shaq's field goal percentage when he was being guarded by Sean Bradley or something.
0: Well, okay, congratulations to you. Why don't you guys both? I'm going to have you guys start doing this trivia thing every week since I'm obviously very bad at it. Okay, um, I got
2: I got some trivia for you. I got some trivia for you. And if you follow me on Twitter, you you already have the answer. But Luca is the second guy in the last 25 years to make not one, but two go-ahead three-pointers in the final 30 seconds of a game. Who's the other one?
0: I actually saw this on your Twitter, and I forget it now. Kobe. Kobe.
2: No, pretty far from Kobe, sir.
1: Oh, two, oh, two, two in the. You're saying in one game, two go, two go ahead threes in
2: the final thirty seconds of one game.
1: At first, I thought you said like two like go ahead. I thought you just said two. I thought you meant like two go ahead threes at all. I was like, that. Doesn't you know,
0: you nice. know what I actually thought, McMahon, when I saw this tweet, and I can't remember who it was now, even though it was less than twenty four hours ago. To show you what kind of frame of mind I was in, I thought to myself, why didn't he save that for the trivia question on the podcast?
2: Okay, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. This guy's other perhaps most oh, I saw it. The, his other biggest claim to NBA fame might be that. As a, when he was briefly Dirk Nowitzki's teammate, he accidentally slammed Dirk's hand in a car door.
0: That's a good guess, but I would say he's also known for his hair.
1: I didn't see right, this tweet. It, known for his, known for his hair.
0: I, I remember. I don't. I have I no, I have
1: no idea on
0: this Look, one. We, we, we'd be here until the podcast data ran yeah. out. It's, uh, Dan D- yeah. it's Dan Dickow. Dan, Dan oh, Dickow.
1: Oh, the,
0: oh. the immortal Dan Dickow. Wow. For the New Orleans Hornets. I wouldn't even remember what team he played for. Uh, was, Although, I, I like Dan, yeah, Dan, Dan Dickow. I like Dan Dickow. I like Dan Dickow. He's a good guy. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Yeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer call or click ranger.com or just stop by speaking of trivia questions i think i have the answer to this is my 18th year covering the nba i have the answer to the worst coaching job i've ever seen we've And that is the job that Chris Finch just took with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, This has got to be the worst. This is the worst. I mean, any coaching job, I guess, is an opportunity. And I guess the bar is going to be relatively low. When you think about the situation he walks into, the complete uh, political uh, nightmare that walks into the way that he got the job, which, by the way, has even been denounced today by the Coaches Association. Right. His own coaches' association put out a statement saying that the process sucked. Uh, so no matter where you are, it
2: wasn't diverse or transparent.
0: Right. No matter where you are on that, he his situation he he has to walk into that door, even though he's gotten some supportive comments from his players. You walk into that too. He's changing teams in the middle of a season. So that's only happened a couple of times in NBA history. Uh, And the concept of of changing teams is just wild. Uh, There's been a couple of more coaches who've come in sort of from off the street. Um, And that's tough. But now you're changing teams. You don't even have... If, if it's one thing that's hard enough to be an interim. You don't have the knowledge. Two,
1: three. Last guy, the last guy that did it was uh, Lionel Hollins in Memphis. Uh, certainly, I think Chris will be quite happy if he can have a similar run in Minnesota. The one Lionel I'm had
0: exactly in right. Um, the difference though is that Lionel had already been there as an as an assistant coach and an interim coach. Yeah, he had another. He had he knew the players, at least some of the players in the organization. All right, they're the worst team in the league. Okay, they have probably no draft pick, depending on how the lottery balls bounce. They have um, no cap space.
1: They're either going to get an incredible player in the draft or no player. That is going to be a fascinating lottery night, both with them and the Rockets, especially with the top four or five guys in this draft are absolute studs. And that is going to be a long sweat for for those two teams to wait and see what happens.
0: The team is for sale. Okay, so you have no idea... Right. Well, whatever. I mean, they could sell, and then you have no idea how that's going to change things. Okay. And with the way this, and you know, you guys, when you hear this podcast, you'll you'll already have know the second half schedule. Um, but it's our it's my understanding the second half schedule is going to be just a mess of five games and seven nights, and three games and five nights, and just they're going to jam that sucker in. You ain't getting any practice time. Like like you're not going to have anything resembling practice time, you're going to be able to install stuff. Here you go. Here's this, you know, this flaming bag, Chris, good luck to you. And like, look, I mean, it, it, it means that if he, if he achieves in this job, and I don't even know what achieve means, it makes it all the more impressive. I, a lot of, a lot of, a target has been put on Gerson Rosas, uh, the GM in this transaction. I will tell you, I am putting the target on the owner, Glenn Taylor, because Glenn Taylor when he hired Gerson Rosas to be a general manager, it was clear that he wanted Ryan Saunders to remain the coach. And look, guys, I have a personal affinity for Ryan Saunders. Mm-hmm. I like him as a person a lot. I spent three days with him last year for a story that never ran because the team went into the tank. But they had a good November, okay. and I went up to Minneapolis, and I spent three days with him, and he was very welcoming and open. And I talked to a bunch of his players. His players loved him. Um
1: Everybody loves Ryan. He's an, he's an awesome, he's an awesome dude.
0: But you, you sort of cornered Gerson into keeping him. And so, and then you put the team for sale but you weren't weren't really sure you were going to sell the team because he's done this before. And now the team's been hanging out there for nine months or even more. And he's had offers and he won't take them. And so now everybody's just sort of walking around on their tiptoes, wondering when the new boss is going to come. And so Gerson Rosas decides he's got to make a coaching change. And he thinks he's like, I got to get my guy in here because if I wait till the end of the year and I just experiment with somebody I'm not hundred percent sure on the team could be sold and we all could be fired. Yeah. So by by not giving the general manager full control to make his coaching hire, um, which, you know, they can all deny it, but it's it's clear that, you know, Ryan's affinity for the Taylor family and vice versa, it's clear. And then having the you know, the team just hang out there for sale, just dangling out there for the uncertainty led to this situation. Now they've had bad luck with injuries and COVID and all kinds of other stuff. There's no doubt about that, but this goes, as so many things go, it goes back to leadership from ownership, which is the most important thing. Uh, almost, I would say, second to the lottery uh, in the right year. The second most important thing to success of our franchise is um, is your ownership. Well, they've won, the, they've won the lottery a couple times. What, a few times? And they traded for a number one pick, too. Yeah, They traded for Wiggins.
2: So I guess you could argue ownership's more important because you win Well, the you whole. have to
0: win the lottery in the, in the right year. But, um... I, I've never seen a job that's worse than that. I, I did hear he got a, a three year contract with a team option for a fourth year. So at least he got a multiple year deal, so he's protected a little bit. but but I'll bet he didn't, you know, he's a first time head coach. so he's not exactly getting um you know, a contract that's going to you know guarantee uh, you know massive money for the rest of his life. So I wish i and I don't know Chris at all. I've never spoken to him. I wish him luck, but um, I got a, I got a and know, and, and Gerson, or I think Nick nurse, uh, who was, uh, the, the head coach in Toronto where, where Finch was an assistant, he, he said, and I mean, I'll take Nick at his word. I believe him. He said this came together in 36 hours. So he may have had some feel that this could happen and he would be a candidate, but he had, he had to make this choice right. fast, fast. You want this job. And also it had to kind of be kept quiet. So he couldn't. I mean, I don't know what he did, but my guess is he didn't call up fifteen of his of his coaching friends and say, "Hey, should I, I think I should?" Chris take Finch this.
1: has been waiting for this opportunity for decades. There was no choice here. This was you get the opportunity and you take the job. Might be the worst job in the league, but it's one of thirty jobs. Exactly. And he, there's no there's no turning it down. I mean, that's you know. I mean, he's he's a really well respected assistant coach, and maybe he would have got another job at some point, but. He's a guy in his early 50s. He's interviewed for a bunch of jobs. He's been a lead assistant in the NBA for a while. He's coached against Nick Nurse in Europe for a bunch of years. Like, this this is a guy who has been waiting for this opportunity. There wasn't any choice here. It was just, when am I taking the job? You know.
0: Well, I wish him luck. I've never seen a a harder position for a coach to be put in. So, Not um, ideal. (laughs) Well, that is for sure. That we can say for sure. All right. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Thank you to Ben McMahon. Thank you to Tim Bontemps. Thank you to Troy Farkas who edited out my foible on the Twitter or on the, uh, or, on the or did he or did he? Hope he did. I'm going to come off looking like a you know what. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening. We will talk to you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody.
2: Adios, amigos.